0: You, all of you, failed to yell at me to tell me to turn this stupid thing on. So for those of you listening, I apologize on behalf of all of those people who failed you. Um, yes. This a little sidestep huh? So, we're, we're talking fun words, we talked about nous, which is mind, but also all the other stuff that makes up the internal, and then see he, which is a synonym, and it comes into English as psyche, and uh, we get psychology from it, or we get the psyche from it, but this is the word, word that is most often translated soul. And the problem is, in, in English, we tend to think of that as some sort of a technical term, And uh, most Christians believe there is a segment of humanity that is not thought, brain, not body, it is soul, and that that's the part that's immortal, okay? Now, good luck proving that one from Scripture, because it's not there, but... that's the tradition and the tradition comes back to this dualism of well primarily it's not body because we all know what happens to the body when you die so clearly that's not what it's about although we do sort of forget the fact that Jesus said he was going to recreate that body into an eternal body like a seed being planted that would then sprout up into a whole different and better plant so soul becomes a bit cloudier in terms of what it means once again, it is internal. It's definitely non-body, that's for sure. But is it just this thing that is somewhat spiritual? Because then we've got this other word. What is that mean? A word? Pneuma. pneuma. okay. Or forgive me if I say it, pneuma. Okay. And um, it means what? And yes, that's a trick question. Breath. Breath. One other word?
1: Spirit. One other word.
0: And it's very intuitive when you think breath and spirit. Wind. So when you see those words, it's all that word. Okay? Um, so it became uh, synonymous with life force. Uh, it goes all the way back to the Hebrew concept. Because uh, Genesis says God breathed life, okay? Um, And, of course, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't take much in terms of scientific observation to notice that when someone stops breathing and that becomes a permanent state, that person's no longer alive. There's no such thing as an alive person who no longer breathes. There just isn't one. So, that became synonymous with the, the life force within us. But is that the same as soul? And now you get in all sorts of fun arguments that people have been having for hundreds if not thousands of years. Uh, probably not 2,000 years because the people who originally were studying the, the scriptures in that language understood that these were all synonyms that overlapped. So they weren't trying to make them technical terms that had totally distinct meanings from one another. So when you read Sihi or you read you're reading words that mean very similar things and maybe the same thing, depending on context. Yeah, Yes. Well, yes. So when I translate that I'm putting a, a, a Well, except in English for some reason most people put a Y. Ask me why. Go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> haven't said that in a while. I so just thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs>
1: so is Psyche, is that describing something
0: that does actually exist?
1: Well, they all exist. So they, the
0: but they're all concepts. They're concepts of something that exists. So, so here's something that we've only gotten 60% of the words up there. And well, one, one discussion, folks. Here's something that I think we can agree on. What we found out very quickly by, by looking at words like this is the concept is of something bigger than we are. So when we start trying, for example, if you try to put God in the box, uh, we can all agree, you're going to have a hard time. There there's certain things about God that just they supersede our cognitive abilities. I would posit that is true of us as well, that when you look at the things that describe us, they go beyond our cognitive abilities as well. And so I'm quite comfortable with the ambiguity of the overlap of these things, and yes, they're all real things, and yet they're real things that we cannot nail down as much as we want to in our very technical culture.
1: And remember, we are a
0: very technical culture, so we want absolute and exclusive uh, definitions for everything.
1: And yet we can understand the difference enough
0: to be able to interpret the Sometimes. So other times you'll see a word that could have been one of three or four equally. And it really doesn't seem to matter. So, you know, how, how big a difference does that word make? In some contexts, a pretty big difference. This one particularly because there are word plays that happen because of it. And so very clearly it's chosen because it, it's a word play and has meaning beyond simply that word. But, for example, we talked about Nus and he and those can be used almost interchangeably in some contexts, but not necessarily all. Let me show you a couple of others that are similar, but now you're going to see a different side, and it does emphasize something that's a little bit more uh, distinct. This one is what? Cardia, which is what? Heart. It's where we get cardiac, cardio. Everything else that comes after cardio, all the words that uh, we see in the hospitals. Um, and when we hear heart, assuming we're not talking about a muscle that's pumping, what are we talking about?
1: When we hear it in our culture, we know it's not it, we're not talking literal muscle pumping.
0: So you started with like a lot of this stuff. Okay. Um, have a heart. What does that mean? So It can be compassion. I didn't have a heart to tell him. What is that? I have will to tell him. Will or maybe even courage. You know, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it because I don't want to see and deal with what I'm going to have to do if, if I tell him that. Um, It it can be more of a a nebulous emotion. I had a guy greet me once and ask if I was a visitor, uh, a first-time visitor, in a church I was preaching in, Um, and uh, I wasn't the senior minister, I was the senior associate, though, which means I was in charge of the associate staff, and whenever the senior minister wasn't preaching, I was, and that was a fair amount, once or twice a month, at least, between... No, no, but it was a large church, and he was fairly new. So I I was sharing with a friend that, you know, I had walked in, and he greeted me that way, and I was actually preaching that night. And he said, did you tell it? And I said, I didn't have the heart. What was I meaning? In that sense, it was like, I just, emotionally, I didn't want to deal with it, to be honest with you, because I knew he was going to feel really embarrassed, and I'm going to find myself trying to help him with that, and my head's supposed to be somewhere else. So we have quite a a range of meaning. In Greek culture, oddly enough, and I say oddly enough because we've got these others, it's the same thing. It means the muscle that pumps. So when you're ever reading the word as a literal heart, that's the word. But it also takes on all those other shades of meaning depending on context and author. Because so let's face it, some people tend to use that word and other people tend to use other words. And it's the same in Greek. And yet, whatever that means, there's other words that mean pretty much identically the same thing and, and others will use that. My favorite, because of pronunciation. I put it up before, you practice. What is this? Yeah, you gotta spit a little bit with this one. Splachna. Okay? Yeah, it does sound a little bit. Splachna. The high. The high comes out a little bit more. It's a gamma that's gamma high. Yeah. No, it's not double gamma. It's C loop and open. I'm sloppy but I'm not that sloppy.
1: Huh?
0: So basically, it's like a. Yeah. So it's is plasma. plasma. Huh. Now, what does it mean? Literal hint: it is an organ. It is oh. a. It means bowel. Not stomach, by the way. That's a different one. But it means bowel. Okay. And so, in in this, like the bowels of compassion, meaning. Heart, the compassion part of heart, okay? Um, And we do something very similar with it. We talked about this one, I think, two weeks or three weeks ago briefly. Um, Although we've taken it in a different place because how many of you have ever been in a situation where you're you're facing something you already knew or now you've just discovered, you're stinking afraid of that. And I mean fear. I don't mean a little uneasy. I mean fear. And yet, you know, you've you got to do it anyway. And you, you make yourself deal with whatever this is, even though you have this fear or, or even a terror. Have you had that experience? And I mean, it can, be, it can be in your head something that there's no good reason to fear. It doesn't matter. It's still there, and you've got to deal with it. Or it can be a very real thing facing you physically. Okay. And so we talk about someone, man, that guy's got guts. That's where we get it. Now, the reason I brought it up tonight is to illustrate as we get into the vocabulary. Um, if, if we do what I'm planning on, I'm going to give you another set of words tonight. Um, and as we do that, you're going to see several words that actually overlap on that list. Now, you've seen that a little bit. You're going to see it even more. And then uh, the more of these sheets that we do, the more of this dynamic.
1: Because
0: we're talking about a language as it is used to produce one specific set of documents. It's really kind of a unique thing in terms of study. Um, And the only only parallel to that come from this very thing, this comes from the Hebrew, the, the value of the Hebrew language in studying the Old Testament, so the Greek follows that. And now we also have Arabic, which, you know, the, the, the Muslim, uh, Islam was founded 700 years plus after Christianity, and built on, explicitly built on, Judaism and Christianity. I mean, the Quran says that. So, the idea of, of studying a language solely for the purpose of a document is focused on spiritual things. And what that does is it brings us to this thing that we're, we're going to have, by uh, necessity, a limited set of words and even concepts. We're not talking about Greek architecture. We're not talking about Greek military. We're not talking even about most aspects of Greek philosophy, which was the big thing the Greek language was built for. We're not talking about any of that, because we're talking about what the New Testament contains. That's, that's the reason for doing this, right? Right? And when you do that, you're talking about concepts that you're going to approach from different angles, different people talking about them. And so you're going to have synonyms. And we need to be very, very careful not in our zeal to systematize everything, to force the, do- the biblical documents into a system that we make up. Whether it's about a concept like the makeup of humanity or any other doctrinal issue. We're going to have the exact same temptation because we like things neat and clean. See, there's a problem with this. Um, How many of you are comfortable with the overlap and ambiguity of meaning that I'm describing here? Raise your hand if you're comfortable with it. That's not what I asked. I said, Are you comfortable with it? How many of you that drives you crazy? Any of you? Okay. You guys are the ones that should be engineers. You're going to find that when you're teaching. And so if you're if you're teaching, and I'm assuming you're going to, because you're studying at a level that nine hundred and ninety nine <laughs> we're broadening it so we can get to the tenths, right? 99.9% of the people in the body never study us. Understand that. You're, you're raising, by your willingness to do this, you're raising yourself to that level. So when you're studying with other people, you're going to be studying at a level way beyond where most of them are. And I'm going to assume you're going to at least be willing to communicate some of this, which means you're teaching. And when you do... You're going to have people not only uncomfortable with this, they're going to get downright mad at you sometimes. And saying, by the way, hey, wait, I didn't write it. The Holy Spirit did. Blame him. That won't work. They want somebody with flesh to be mad at. So you're the one. Congratulations. So we've got to be careful of this. And we've got to work with it ourselves and get ourselves more comfortable with it And and the way you do that is to remind yourself over and over and over, we're dealing with things that God himself created, things that the psalmist says are so wonderful, he can't wrap his head around it. Why would we be able to systematize it and put everything in a little box that we made? Why would we expect to be able to do that? And again, remember that part of the drive to do that is simply our Western culture. That even today on this planet, large numbers of people would look at us like, what is your problem? Because they just don't have that same drive. Making sense? How many of you had fun with that? Come on. Okay, the rest of you got to loosen up. You just do. I don't know, write a song about it or something. Tattoo it on your arm. (laughs) That reminds me, I've got a question for everybody to help me with, but I'll wait until break because it's not fair to take time from the class for my question. It's a personal question. All right. Let's pass this around. Is this useful? This, it's just the sheet, kind of an outline of
1: the yeah.
0: Where we're going. agenda. Yeah, This is the agenda. We all voted that we're not going to do that anymore. And I do have those little homework things at the bottom, and believe it or not, they do change periodically, <clears throat> like today. So next on it is vocabulary review, and in order to do that, um, I would like you to not have your vocabulary sheet out yet. Because one of the things you want to try to get to, you've heard me hopefully say, do not worry about all the stuff we're going to give you, including tonight I'm going to introduce you to noun and adjective endings in the first and second declension. Don't worry about memorizing all that stuff. Get familiar with it, but there's tools... And, and there's just other things to remember. Now, the reason for that is you've only got X amount of blank space accessible in your head. Okay? Don't tell me you don't, you don't use near enough of your skull because maybe that's true, but most of us have already maxed the amount we're going to use. So there we go. And one of the things that I do want you to have at your, your mind's tip, so to speak, is the words that are most frequently used for another reason then, it just saves you time. But you have to ask yourself also, aside from the grammatical necessity, the word and is one of the most used words in the New Testament. Duh, it's one of the most used words in every language. So no big surprise, right? But if a word like faith is used over and over and over, why do you suppose that is? Why was it agape, used a lot. Because it's important, and it, and it describes how we relate to, to each other. Faith, actually, as well. In fact, pretty much all of these fall into that. So, it's, it, when, when we're dealing with these major terms and major concepts is a very good thing for us not only to have them in our head already but then when we're reading them to be asking so I wonder if that's that I ran in in my study uh, for um, one of the sermons that we're doing I'm actually writing a couple sermons a week now because then I come up are we going to stay with the one I thought we were going to do or are we going to do a different one for this series I put this series together to give me flexibility and so far I haven't changed anything like, thanks. It's the first time I think first three month period I've gone through in years where I wouldn't have changed something. I mean, before I always wanted to. But anyway
1: to
0: cooperate with you? I hope. <laughs> Del pizzo. I hope. Another one of those frequently used words, but not yet. Um, so I looked at this word and I thought, hmm. That's an interesting word. It could be a number of different things. Now, it's, it's not one of the more in the English. It's not firing a major, major concept. But then, when I looked it up, what word is that? And I looked in the Greek text. It blew me away. Because it actually is one of the words that is extremely common and extremely important in our faith. And it was used in a whole different context. It was like, Wow, I never, ever would have guessed. But once you understood that, then that passage that I'm reading took on a whole different meaning. And yet it didn't. I mean, it's not the same thing, but the shade of meaning, the depth of meaning, was entirely different. So you're going to get, with the the vocabulary, if you get familiar with these things, and then you start practicing, is that that, is that that, which means you need a, a way to look the words up. A simple, easy way for you to look the words up. You're going to get to the point where you're going to be doing that same thing. I mean, you'll literally be... I, I'm, I can't go to sleep. I've got to go look that up. Because you, you read something is just bugging you because you don't know yet. And that's a good thing. Okay? Uh, real quick, I just raised one other question. Even now, you're at a point... You, you can look words up in a dictionary, a lexicon... You've got the alphabet. You may have to make up a, a, a Greek alphabet song to figure out where did that letter go, but you'll do that. And you can read it and even sound it out and in your mind carry it. So you can look up what word that is. Okay? So how are you going to do that? What tool will you use? Are you ready for... Do you have a you? Are you ready to simply have this and be able to read and look it up this way, do you suppose? This is just the Greek text. If you've not seen it before, it's... Now remember, this is the Greek text with Americanisms like punctuation and paragraphs and, you know... Yeah, I don't know anybody that tries to study it in enuncial form because our, our brains just aren't built that way. Anybody want to try that?
1: Okay, you're you're trying it. He's
0: studied this before. So most of us aren't going to do that. What then will you do when you see love and you're saying, what love? Which love is that? Pretty important. Which one am I supposed to do? What tool will you use? Pardon? Concordance. Which concordance? Okay, certainly not the little guy in the back of your Bible. Um, almost any exhaustive concordance will have uh, a number assigned to the word in that sentence or phrase. So you look it up, um, 1 Corinthians 13. You obviously need to know what that is because you've got 15 different adjectives telling us we're to love that way because that's what love is and it's the greatest thing. Right. So what is it? How do I know? I look up 1 Corinthians 15, whichever verse, in a concordance. Now there's another step, because then I go over, follow the line over, and there's this number. And then there's another step. Then I go to the back of the concordance, and it's got a Greek lexicon. It's going to call it that, or Greek dictionary. Except it's not alphabet, it's numerical. (laughs) So that number is 375, so I look up 375. Okay? And by the way, it goes into the ten thousandths, I think. But I look the number up, and then it tells me the word. And now I know the word. And if I studied it, right there opens it up. If I studied agape, and it says agape, I know now that's what it is. And I don't have to look it up anymore, because I've already studied it. I know what it means. Right? Anybody think that's a little cumbersome?
1: How many of you want to carry around
0: that They call it exhaustive because that's what happens when you carry it. (laughs)
1: Right? Okay.
0: So an interlinear, also a big book, um, although you can get them paperback and you can get them smaller, an interlinear is going to give you uh, the English, and then it's going to give you the Greek, but it's going to rearrange the Greek to sit under the English words. Okay, And then, depending on the interlinear, you're going to get other things. Like, I saw one that also then gives you the Greek without rearranging it. So you've got the English translation, you've got the Greek text, but you've also got the English translation and the Greek text lined up under the words. So when you see the word love, if you're not real familiar with all the others, let's face it, you may have recognized agape, but what's the rest of those words? How do I know one of those isn't it? So that's why they put it under this, okay? And it's going to be either Greek or Hebrew, because otherwise it's going to be like carrying it this way, or extremely small print and extremely uh, thin pages. And they do have those. We actually have some in our resource room. Um, you guys went through T6. You know what that means? You go to the, the door that enters the hallway go to the last room on the left, and there's a bunch of resources on shelves like that, okay? So an interlinear will help you a great deal. And there are interlinears that you can access online. I don't know if there's any that are free. I'm, I'm not aware of one that's free. Has an interlinear? Yes,
1: interlinear.
0: Okay. Okay, so you've got a a tool like Viblos, and that'll take you to that. Um, You're going to need to get those kinds of processes, because that's basically what you're going to do. There is one other way you can do it, and that is to simply go to a a dictionary like Vines. The problem is Vines, uh, I say like Vines because Vines is a good one and it's public domain, but the reason it's public domain is because it's over 100 years old. And if it's 100 years old, guess what translation is keying off of for the English words? King James. So you're going to find love, but you're, if you're looking at First Corinthians 13, what are you going to find? You guys haven't read that in 1 Corinthians 13. We have a word for, yeah, that's where we get our word charity. It's an old English word that simply means love. So an act of charity is an act of love. We, we think of it as an act of welfare. It means something different to us. Okay? So start thinking about this because to do what you're going to be equipped to do and what you want to practice if you're going to keep this up, you're going to need one of these ways. You're going to need something that will quickly allow you to identify the word. The more you do it, the more you can go to a text like this. You may not know every word. I don't claim to, to have every vocabulary word in the New Testament down, but you'll pretty quickly pick up the verbs or the nouns and the ones that are about this. So if you're, especially if you're saying, I wonder if that's agape, you're going to know just like that, okay? And uh, how many of you know what a parallel Bible is? Not a harmony, a parallel, okay? So parallel, New American Standard, NIV, whatever, um, there's a lot of them out there, and you can get parallels with whatever, well, uh, it depends on what translation you're using, with most of the major translations and the Greek in there. So it allows you to be on one page and then flip to, just look at the other at the same verse, find the word. All right? <laughs> Uh, it's going to be like this text right, That you just saw so, it, might be a little it will not be Right it has, it has reference points Like I said you're going to get to the point If you finish this class And you keep practicing Then By my birthday next year You'll, you'll be able to do that You may not know you'll be able to do that. So then you're going to have to start doing it and surprise yourself and go, Oh, I did find that out. Because there's going to be words you don't know. And you just got to get over the fact there's words you don't know. Okay? And then, by the way, now you've got a word you don't know, you need one other tool so you can say, But I don't know what that one is. I want to know. And what's the other tool? Not a trick question. You need a, uh, again, we tend to refer to them as lexicons. You need a New Testament lexicon.
1: Okay?
0: Um, I strongly recommend either Thayer or Arton Gingrich. Arton Gingrich is the one I brought in a few weeks ago. I will bring them in again probably next week. I'll bring that whole case in again. It'll have new meaning to you. Okay? Okay. you're going to need something like that. It's not going to be something you carry around to Starbucks every time you, you go there and study. Because it's... Now. uh Oh, yeah. Payer's been public domain. They're both written in the 19th century. But there are newer ones out. They're not bad, but I honestly don't think there's anything better about them either. Uh, the newer ones. And someone's getting a royalty on them. So why would I do that? Because these aren't geared off of an English word. This is I see the Greek word, and now I'm going to look it up in the Greek lexicon or the Greek dictionary following Greek letters, but it's a Greek-English. All of these are Greek-English. So the word's in Greek, and then the definition of it is in English for you. Does that make sense? So again, I'll bring that back in next week. You can look at them more in depth and play with them a little bit. but. I I took the time to do all of that because these vocabulary words are really important. Now, they're going to become less important the longer we go in this class. Because the ones that are like 50 or less, there's going to be some that you're going to want to memorize because they're just concepts that are that important. But if it's used 500 times, I mean, even if it is just a conjunction, you probably want to know that so that you don't go trying to look it up all the time, right? All right, so to that end, um, here's a little exercise. I'm not quizzing you. This is not a test. But I would like you to try to do this without looking at your sheet. So, what is that? Anthropos. What? Anthropos. Anthropos? Is that where we get anthrax? No, I don't think. Um, humankind, okay? Mankind, if, you, if you're if you not offended by that, ladies. Um, I honestly don't care. If you are offended, tell me and I won't use it. I'm, I'm good with that. But humanity, except it's singular. <laughs> so human, okay? Now, the, the list I give you a little later tonight, there's a reason I'm giving you this one, because there's another one that contrasts with that, and you want to know the difference. You want to be able to look at each of them and, just like that, tell the difference. Okay? Here's another one. I'm just skipping around, by the way. What is that? Yeah. Okay. It's pronounced then. What does it mean? Yeah. In. You say the vowel different. Come on. It's an I. In English, okay. So it's in. Now you're going to see a word in the list I give you later that looks real similar to that, and I'm going to ask you the difference when we get there. Okay?
1: Curious. It means what? Lord, uh, Lord.
0: or sir. So. Trick question. Not trick, just extra credit. What's the difference? What's the difference? Okay. The last letter is iota instead of sigma. Sigma indicates what? What? What does it not indicate in Greek? Plurality. Keep remembering that. One of the endings that does indicate plurality, and unfortunately for you, it is one of, not the, is Omicron Yota. Lords. Okay? Now, in our society, once again, we probably wouldn't use it that way, but it would not be... Uh, out of line to use that as a description of uh, let's say you're at a professional conference and there is a seminar on supervision providing supervision when I was in Oregon um, we had to go through a state sponsored course in order to be approved to supervise people towards their license we were because remember Lord doesn't mean capital L all the time it just means somebody who's in charge. Okay? Um, let's see. Ta-ta. No. It's okay.
1: There's a reason you
0: thought it was, but it's not that, that word. What does it mean? Okay, and how do you know?
1: Well, that's
0: genitive. Actually, I think it's accusative. Uh. No, you're right, genitive, genitive. Accusative, um, it's against, and that gets to the illustration we used that's making you think cut. Um, And throughout, during, so in a little while, I'm going to give you uh, a sheet with endings. And all I'm going to do is introduce the endings to you and say, have fun, because you need to memorize those for now, just so you're familiar with it. You'll forget them. That's okay. But when you do, you're going to memorize them as accusative is that, dative is that. And then when you see one of these, it's like, okay, it's it's kata, but it's with a word that's dative. So it's this. Okay? Now, you may do that because you, you really did memorize it all and you're some sort of linguist and cool for you. Most of us will do that because we see it and then we go back because we look at that word and we get the ending and we look at that chart that I'm going to give you and then we come to this that says with this it's this and with this it's this. That's okay. Using reference tools is okay. okay? And honestly, you've got a lot more things to worry about that are more important than all of the different cases of application with kata, if you get the general idea of what it is. Okay. Um, well, or PL, you, you would still say the S separately, right? Okay. Yeah. I don't think we had triple diphthongs. That, yeah. That would be a triphthong.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, it would. Okay, what does it mean? To make or do. And if it's present tense, what is an acceptable and perhaps even better translation in context with many of the New Testament quotes, like Matthew
1: (laughs) 7.21? Um, I said
0: present. It's not necessarily doing. That's,
1: that's turning it into a,
0: a participle. But yeah, practice. Okay? So who's doing over and over and over? Why are they doing over and over? They're practicing it. Okay? Um, and, and the reason that's so important is it removes the connotation of perfection that we have a tendency to try to put on ourselves and then kick ourselves consistently because we're not. Okay? Um, Okay, here's a fun one. Be careful. I'm hearing whispering, but I'm not hearing an answer. I know, but they're not the same. There's only one of those. Okay, look at your sheet if you want to. What's this one? Oh, that's right. That's right. Well, I did tell you, though. I will, I will at least redeem myself with that. Uh, write it in, by the way, on this one. If it's got the accent, it's a personal pronoun, but it's with a question mark. So it's not you, it's who. or what? Which? Why? Now, the fun thing is, that's not a question mark. In Greek, that's a question mark. A semicolon. Don't ask me why. I, I have no idea why it evolved that way, but it did. So when you see that at the end of a sentence when you're reading the text, it, that's, that equals that. Okay? But here's a little trick for you. When you're looking at this and, you know, whether it's teeth or toll, uh, that, that set of words, and it's got the accent, it's asking the question. So just don't, don't tell yourself it's a question mark, and then you'll start thinking everything with an accent. a question mark. But in this case, it's a question. So, okay, it's got a punctuation, so it's a question mark. If it doesn't have it, then it is the, um, the uncertain. It's someone. Who did that? Someone. So, peace? Teeth? I mean, that's, that's an exchange. Dees? Who? Dees? Okay, Got one. Why
1: not say one?
0: Okay. Oh, ending. It, it depends on what word it's with. Because remember, the, these kinds of words are going to agree with the word it's attached to. Um, what I just gave you is a rarity. When I say who... I'm assuming in, from a context that you know what I'm asking, who did something or who is it or whatever, um, whereas in, in the actual text, it's going to spell that out. It's going to have who did that or who is it, okay, or what, or where. Um, sure if it's that one or that one but I'll, I'll just do that for now. Actually if it's that it's here. Yeah. So forget that. Coutique. Okay first of all is that a statement or a question mark or a question? A question. Yeah remember the little trick I just showed you. Okay um, now I'm going to give you a freebie. That means where? Okay this is an indefinite but it's also a question. So it goes with that, where is it? If you remember the very first day, I illustrated the usefulness of having modern pronunciation because if you're on a tour bus in Greece and you get off and you really need to go to the bathroom and you come up to any of the officials and you say, Pouti, you're asking where the bathroom is. And they'll point and, and you get rescued. Okay? You're not near as excited about that as you should be. I mean, that one should really rev you up. Okay. Um, Breathing, Mark. My felt is being battered. What is that? Anybody remember? Hmm? Hmm? Omega? Sigma. I'm sorry, like I said, the the felt's kind of going away here. Is that better? What is it? As. Okay. Could also be um, how, that, about. Almost any words like this can have different uses or or different uh, specifics. And you're not going to have much problem with that once you're reading it, because the rest of the words, when you figure out what they are, the context is going to sort of force an English word into place. So you're, you're not going to need to worry about that. Okay, let me throw a few out without, well, no, one or two more that I'll write. And now I'm going to say one or two. Hi. Okay. Eagle. And and again, just think ego. Because that's exactly where we get the word. I I, I am. am He me. And that phrase, because remember we talked about Jesus using, uh, apparently the Aramaic version of it, but in the Greek Testament, ego he me. That's a, a, a double emphasis. And they tried to kill him for it. And everybody got it. There was no mystery. God is a very good communicator, and so was Jesus. When he said that, he was making claim to being one with the Father. In essence, what we would say as the result of the Incarnation. They didn't understand the backstory of the Incarnation, but they absolutely got that he was making that claim, which is why they tried to kill him. Because they obviously didn't believe that he was. Okay. Uh, ooh. No? You're close. There's a reason you're thinking that, which I'll, I'll give you just a minute. Ooh. Me. Ooh, me. No, me was the Greek, another Greek one. Yeah, they're both negations. So, ooh, me is no, no, never, you know. Ooh or me, no. Okay. C. Which or su, if it's um, if you're going epsilon with an oo sound. Sigma upsilon. That's you. So when you're looking at it, it looks amazingly like ooh, Particularly if you if you throw a breathing mark in there. Um okay. Or chi. And. Okay, again, just get to know those because you're going to see them over and over because it's and. You see and a lot. Ace. Ace. Epsilon, iota, sigma. No. Hint, preposition, not verb. In two. N is N. Ace in two. Ace. You would probably go east. Is that a harder E? Ace two? That's one of those where if you say it with any rapidity, it's going to sound the same. You have to slow it down to hear the difference in how it's being pronounced. So, again, don't worry about it. But east. There's, I don't think there's another word that really sounds anywhere similar to that. So that one's going to be fairly safe for you. Ech? Out. 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 Or from. Yeah, out, out from. Okay. Okay, you're getting a lot of these well. Uh, Zia? Zia? True. 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 By the way, I don't know why I because I was trying to come up with words that We recognize these, when I presented it, and I didn't come up with this one, and I don't know why. Through a word, or a concept, or a thought. So what is a dialogue? Dialogue. It's talking through. It's through words. It's, it's a picture of communication, exchanging thoughts. Okay? So it, it's a, one of those nice, important ones to understand what we're talking about. Um, all right, I'm going to leave that because, as I said, we're going to bring out some others. Um, stretch break now or uh, declension. Did someone just gasp? Ready to break after inversions? Are we? Okay. We're doing the Now, I was actually, as I was looking at various textbooks for formal presentations of the various declensions. I was reminded that there almost isn't one. Um, There are numerous declensions and there are rules for the majority of how they come across. So, when I give you something like this, I'm going to give you another one um, next week or the week after. I'm debating on whether to do all declension stuff and then conjugation stuff or mix it up just for fun. But when I give you another one, um, the thing to remember is This represents most, and the reason I say most is you will be looking at words, and you will say to yourself, don't recognize that, and if you look at a parsing tool, like an electronic one or an analytical um, lexicon, it's going to tell you it's something, and you're going to, wait a minute, I actually memorized that, and that's not what that is. Okay, you just got to one of the exceptions. Congratulations. Have you ever talked with anybody who's trying to learn English? We have exceptions all over the place. drives people nuts. Well, they did too. Okay? So, don't get mad at me when it's not always this way. Um, I'm, I've got one word, and what I've given you here is a chart that gives you singular and plural, masculine, feminine, and neuter, for one word, and for all the cases. So by looking at this declensions, the first and second declensions, you should be able to look at this and look at the ending and say, okay, that's uh, singular, feminine, and what case it is. Nominative, singular, and feminine. Okay? Except, like I just said, I guarantee you there'll be times when you can't, and it's not because you didn't memorize it well. So, first of all, the word—the word is justice or righteousness. Those two concepts might be a little different in our thoughts, but pretty much the same word in the Greek. Okay. Uh, by the way, there is a an ending that if you want to say righteousness in English, um, frequently, not always, it's going to be that ending. See me. So if you see that, first thing you think is, okay, it's the quality of righteous. Quality of righteous is Righteousness. A quality of faith is faithfulness. All right? But, again, first thing, and then you'll find out by going and looking it up, and you may find out that this is another exception because it's not always that way. So, nominative. Nominative masculine. Um, that's the root one of the reasons we choose this, because the root doesn't change any. That's the root, okay? So anything after that is the ending. So the nominative masculine, the ending, or plural, or singular rather, the ending is omicron sigma. That plural, masculine, or excuse me, singular, masculine, nominative is what's called the lexical form. Because when they put this in a dictionary and they're simply trying to give you the idea of the word as opposed to analyzing all the different ways it's used in a specific sentence, what they do not want to do is give you this many entries. So they're not going to. They're going to give you usually just the kettles. Or they may give you also They may do it this. Now, if you look at the chart, what I just did is I wrote down the ending for plural. So what they're doing now is saying, okay, we're going to make sure you understand that it's nominative masculine by giving you both singular and plural and um, so now you're, you're not worried about, okay, is that some obscure ending for something else, okay? <laughs> but usually you're just going to get the Omicron Iota. And you need to get used to that, or excuse me, Omicron Sigma. You need to get used to that idea because how many of you have done study guides that I put together, okay? And you look up the words, I'm saying what's the Greek word, and you look up the Greek word, Uh, most of the time you're using the kinds of tools that we talked about before. They're going to give you the word parsed. In other words, it's going to have that whole ending as it appears in the sentence. I've I've actually sat through uh, arguments where I was just trying to wait and see how long it would take them to figure it out. um, Of of people, no, it's not dikeos, it's dikeesini. And no, no, I found dikeos something else. You know, and it's, okay, guys, It's the same word. And they're just going at it because they think they've got totally different words and they can't figure out why the other one got that. And the reason is simple. One of them went to a source that's using a lexical form, and another went to a source that's using a lexical form and the plural, and another one went to a source that simply has the form that's in that sentence. If you know the root, who cares? (laughs) Don't worry about it. But understand, that's what you're going to see if you look into Sayer. That's what you're going to see if you look into Art and Gingrich. That's what you're going to see, at the beginning at least, when you look into Little Kittle or Kittle. They're going to use the lexical form. Okay? I'm seeing a lot of stone stairs. So I don't want to beat it to death, but are we there? Questions? Confusion? Everybody good with that? All right. Boy, I really hope you don't have that look on your face you had saying you're good with everything else in your life. Okay. So that's nominative. Now feminine, decay. Or deca. Depending on pronunciation. You're adding that alpha. Okay? So what you're hearing is feminine justice versus masculine justice. Not all words, by the way, have all of these. It's one of the reasons they chose this one. Um, some words are simply masculine or simply feminine, most notably proper nouns. So, Petros is what? Masculine? Okay, Petra. Feminine. Petros with a capital P or Pi is not going to be Petra. There is no Female Peter, This is not one of the names that comes across that way, okay? Um, Margarita is what? Masculine, feminine. 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 feminine, alpha, okay? Now, there are, again, there's going to be words that are alpha that are not feminine. But we're talking, th- this declension, and this is the, they call it first, uh, there's second because there's overlap, and this is the most common. No, cause what, I guess, what's
1: the of
0: let, let me let me illustrate again. It's, it's, it has to do with cultural concept. Let me illustrate with, with both with uh, Peter again. Peter is actually not a proper noun. Peter's a nickname. What's his name? The proper noun Simon or Simone. Um, so, which by the way comes into English both um, masculine and feminine. It's The same word, but. Jesus gave him the nickname, and so it became used as a proper name because Jesus gave it to him, and it took all of one generation before that was a popular thing to do because, of course, Peter was one of the best known of the apostles. So, what what we see there is it's a word that's not about a name. It's, It's a word. Petros is singular masculine. Petra. Do you remember which? I'm putting the accent on the alpha. I'm not sure if it belongs there. Just the way I, I said it, the alpha the accent on the alpha. Okay, I'm going to put it consistent, but I already, I think, owned to the fact that I haven't memorized all of the accents. So, same word. The first four letters are the root. Petra. Petra. No, no um, vowel after. Masculine has to do with active, dynamic. Okay? Feminine was thought to be more passive, in some cases creative. And because of the passive thing, stable. And that could even lead to strength. Masculine is active. Uh, what does the root mean, by the way? Anybody remember? Petra. Rock. rock. Okay? It's, this is Greek for rock. Okay? Petrify. Something turns into stone. Turns into rock. So, what is an active rock? What, uh, how can a rock be active? What, what would you think about the word, what it means if it's active? Okay. It could be rolling. It could be crushing or falling, which it can't be crushing if it's not moving, right? So, again, you've got this concept of movement or activity. Now, is it more likely that a rock I put in my hand will do that, or the rock at Gibraltar will do that? The one in my hand. Okay? No one's figured out how to throw the Rock of Gibraltar yet. So, active becomes rock or stone. Not active. Feminine has the connotation of the passive, but, and and I'm throwing this out, maybe I'm trying to overcompensate, but it's not negative. Passive itself is not negative. But, uh, because of that connotation, it's got this connotation of stability and strength. Hence, Rock of Gibraltar. Bedrock. Okay? Now, how many of you are aware that in Matthew 16, there's a bit of controversy over exactly what Jesus said when he said, I give, uh, on, on this rock, I will build my church. Anybody remember the phrase? Okay? He says, who do people say I am? Peter speaks up. He says, now, they all say, and then he says, who do you say I am? Peter speaks up on behalf of them and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, God told you that. And on this, on this rock, he says, Peter, you're blessed. Because God gave you this, but on this rock, I will build my church. Okay. Now, roughly 500 years later, and yes, it did take that long, a group of people said, that meant Peter. It was built on Peter. Peter was the, quote, vicar of Christ, or the successor, the representative of Christ. And therefore, his representative is also the representative of Christ. And you have the whole um, uh, justification for the Roman hierarchy and their claim to be the only true church and the church that all other Christians should be subservient to. Right there. It's all there. Matthew 16. One problem. Two different words. Peter, you didn't get that on your own, on this bedrock, I will build my church. Not Peter. The confession. The reality, the truth of who he was and is. Which, by the way, obviously, is the exact line of demarcation between the Romans and the non-Romans Every other group of Christians, including the Orthodox, on what that means. Because, of course, we do not accept that, or we would all be Roman Catholic, and they still do say that. And when you bring that up, they don't want to talk about it. I know, because I did bring it up and, uh, with a, a rather prominent Catholic theologian, and he cussed me out and went on. He cussed me out all the time. I wasn't anything new, but... Cultural thing. So so you get the difference between masculine and feminine there.
1: Now, neuter
0: adds a whole different thing. When you think neuter, what do you think? (laughs) Eunuch.
1: Okay. Particularly if we're talking dogs and cats.
0: However, unlike today, because today... We think that person started male, but now is female. 2,000 years ago, no, that person started male, and now is a male who's been cut off. Kata. To me. To me, cut. Kata, again. They would not have considered an adult ever to be neuter. Possible exception of hermaphrodite, but I don't know that I've ever studied that. I know that I've never studied that. I can tell you what the American Indians thought of it, but not the Greeks. Um, However, what about a child? This is is the um, nominative, singular, neuter ending, on, okay? So... Technon is a child. I have a child. I have three children. Are my three children Technon? What do you think? Children
1: might be. My three children. Individual? Are my three children.
0: You guys have heard the stories. You know who they are.
1: No.
0: That's right. Because they're as old as some of you are. Okay? and they're not neuter as evidenced by all the grandchildren. All right, That's not accidental. That referred to a prepubescent child. The Greeks called that not he or she. I've got two six-year-old granddaughters who are explicitly she's. I refer to them as she's. Everyone sees them as my granddaughters, and, and by the way, they, they understood there were daughters and sons. They they're not stupid but when they use the generic for child the child had not yet become a man or become woman so they were neuter technon which does help understand some passages talking about children and who exactly is being talked about because there's some pretty interesting implications of that depending on which passage for example qualifications of elders having to do with their children or children obeying their parents. And being stoned to death, in Hebrew society at least, if they didn't. Do you have to obey Doug? Do you think if you were living back there, that would be the case? The answer would be no. Because you're not technical. You're a husband. You can't be here. By definition, you can't be techno. Is it making sense? Now, that's, that's broad strokes. There are places where, A, you're going to see something that looks neuter that's not, because it's one of the exceptions and the ending is, is feminine or... The case I'm thinking of, the ending is actually masculine, but it looks uh, neuter. I don't know if there's any feminine that looks neuter. Um, and there's others where... I'm sure somewhere there was one of these concepts behind the word originating and being masculine, feminine, or neuter. But for the life of me, I can't figure out where it came from and I've never read anybody else who could. There's just some places where we give up. It's not that important. Okay? Okay. Genitive and ablative. Dikeu. Dike-S. Or u again. So now we've got Masculine and neuter with the same ending. So if that's the only reference you've got, you don't know if it's masculine or neuter. You do know it's not feminine. Um, D, L, and I, what do those stand for? Dative? Dative. Locative? Instrumental. There you go. Okay. And they all end with what's called an iota subscript in the um, masculine form. So it's the O, because the O is omega, okay? But the omega has an iota underneath it. It's called an iota subscript. So anytime you see the iota subscript, you immediately go to one of those cases which, by the way, are all fairly similar in function. Um, the deke has also an iota subscript, the feminine, only it's under an alpha instead of under the omega. You see it? And o, again, the neuter form is identical to the uh, masculine form. Accusative is the on. Um, but there is a, an extra... No, there's not. That's the other subscript. Um, where do you, where do you have you seen that before? The get on. Neuter nominative. Go up top line, far right, it's the exact same. Okay? And just to make life a little more complicated, go across to the neuter for accusative, and it's the same. And just to skip ahead a little bit, go down to the vocative for neuter, and it's the same. So now you've got four different segments, four different combinations of, of uh, case and uh, gender that are exactly the same. How do you know which one it is? Context. context. Okay. Uh, there are times context will not tell you. And uh, the good news is the difference in meaning is negligible. I mean, you really have to play games mentally to come up with a difference of meaning in the times that I'm thinking of at least in the New Testament. I'm sure there's probably times in the language itself and all the breadth of the language where it was significant and there was misunderstandings, which is why the language has evolved and they have other ways of doing it. Okay. Vocative, what is vocative? It's addressing. Exactly. Talking to. So if I'm looking at a person, what case? Petros. What? Nominative. Okay. Um, and nominative indicates what? The subject. Subject means I'm talking about it. Right? But, Petre, not sure. We have to go back. That might be Petre. The, the accent mark may move, but... If, I'm, if I say that, I'm not talking about Peter. I'm talking to Peter. Okay? And there's times, again, we, we talked about Ephesians 5, where that, that's pretty significant. All right. Um, the plural are below. And just, I'm going to go over them very briefly because they're exactly what we just did, with one exception, and that is everything about uh, the... Um, the vocative is the same as the nominative it's almost that way in singular the singular masculine is the only exception to that but in the plural it is that way so vocative and uh, nominative are the same alright so you, you know from context whether it's to or about but you do know it's not genitive or ablative or dative or any of those because that's different. So, dike-e, 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 the dike okay? You'll notice, by the way, that um, the uh, iota becomes uh, very prominent, but a major difference between feminine and masculine is Omicron is almost always masculine or neuter. Alpha, almost always feminine. You do remember I said almost, right? Okay. They get on. to get on. They get on. Make a poem out of that. To get is. They get, east, they get six, No. to get is. Uh. They get s rather. Uh. Is s. It's omicron. No. Yeah. Omicron iota sigma alpha iota sigma. So, to tell the gender, you're actually going to the third from last letter, not the, the last or the second. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, the neuter is the same as the masculine again. And then accusative, the get the to the ah. Okay? Now, I, w- I would encourage you to memorize these. For two reasons. One is, it's a good exercise for you. Memorize them, not just in a list, but by case. Because they're going to remind you to keep thinking of case and and function. Uh, Remember, this is both nouns and adjectives. And the adjective will always match the noun. So when you see these in a sentence, the ending is going to be repeated between the noun and the adjective or adjectives Okay? Um, We're going to be introducing... um, Yeah, I'll wait and do it next week. Articles. The articles will almost always be a tough in front of the ending. But I did say almost again. Okay? And if you're saying, for example, the Son of God, literally it's going to be the Son, the One of God... So, the article will repeat itself between the noun and the adjective. It's going to be in there for both, not just the noun. In in English and American, we tend to not put articles with adjectives, tend to. But it will always repeat itself in Greek, unless it's anarthros, which means intentionally no article, and that's a different thing. Okay? Now, do you want to stretch gray? Okay. 8.02. Um, I'm going to stop recording and then they'll restart it for the other one. Let's take uh, 10 minutes and then head back. Here we go. Okay, um, I did want to cover one thing. By the way, ZR. very similar to VR just saying, hmm? by way of through. Yeah. Um, Oh, I, I was going to cover a, um, a, the, the fun thing. Remember, we were talking fun. And um, the usefulness of Greek in understanding things today. Um, so the two things I'm going to do now for, the, for this is I want to go through an example of not just the words themselves, but understanding uh, how our very relationship with God relies sometimes on getting... The difference in some of these words. Um, so, I'm going to be giving you a vocabulary sheet that's going to include some of these. So, uh, does anybody have a Bible? I love it. Nobody has a Bible. Okay, there's Bibles back there. Could you pass them up I didn't say if it was tablet or not. You just have to be able to read it. So, somebody look up 1150, or 1152, Luke 1152, helps to have the name of the book. Katalukon, 1152, okay, who's looking it up? Okay, Joyce, you've got to have that one. Romans 829, you got that one. Matthew 6.8. Somebody look up Matthew 6.8, okay, and Ephesians 1.17, Ephesians 1.17, you got that one, okay. Now, we're going to be reading the English, and for the sake of time, I'm simply going to tell you what the words are, I'll write them up, rather than... Try to figure out a way to make you look them up right now. Uh, we will, in a few weeks, be doing practice where I will actually have tools in here, and I will simply give you a passage and say, what word is that? And, and let you do a little bit more advanced word study than what we might do, for example, in my study guide. So Luke 11:15, or excuse me, 52, would you please read that? What you in the law... Okay. You've taken away the key to knowledge. Now, in context, knowledge of what? Do you remember my guess? He's chewing out the Pharisees. You would not enter. Okay, truth. Relationship with God. You wouldn't accept the truth. You wouldn't accept the knowledge that you should have. But you've also stopped others from it. And that was Jesus' big gripe with the Pharisees. It wasn't just that they weren't where they needed to be, but that they actively then blocked others from going there. So, check my accent. Gnosis. Now, can you see an English word out of that? Well, okay. By the way, Gnostic is actually English letters for a Greek word, but okay. Now, a Gnostic is? Someone who what? No, no, no. A Gnostic
1: somebody who thinks he does know.
0: Ah, would be someone who says, I don't know. So Gnostics were a heretical group who claimed to have special knowledge and that their salvation, their relationship with God, was based in their special knowledge, not in God's grace. Okay? So in English, we have a word that's very similar to that. Doesn't look quite right. But it's silent anyway, so it comes there. Gnosis, excuse me, I'm, I'm blending a verb with the noun. Gnosis is to know, knowledge. Okay. But the problem is there's other knowledges. this. And, and we get them two ways. There's another word. There's actually more than one, but I'm going to present one to you tonight. But there's also other words that are this word with uh, prefixes that change it some. So when we're reading and we see knowledge or the verb form, to know, what's it talking about? This is the base, and it simply means to have an awareness or understanding that's based in some form of interaction with. In other words, I know because I've learned something about this. Okay, you, you have the knowledge, but you won't use it, and you keep it from others who would use it. That was Jesus' judgment on the Pharisees, and he actually got more rough than that in other places for that very thing. Romans eight twenty nine. Who had that? Okay? For those whom he foretold, he also began to be formed to the image of his son in order that he might
1: be in the firstborn among the Okay, and you
0: said for those he foretold? Sorry, for Ah, oh, what translation is that? <laughs> okay. So those he foreknew, and you're going to have... Um, this is uh, na- uh, the verb form, by the way. Oh, okay. UNESCO is the verb that matches the noun. That's knowledge. That's to have knowledge or to know. Okay? I know what that means? Okay. Which means for new. But I'm, I'm going after this. Um, it is um, the same as pre. So the vowel simply changes with what it's about to join. It's before. So it's, I know before foreknowledge and uh, and I'm not going to get into the whole foreknowledge and predestination thing Um, I will tell you I do not believe in deterministic predestination I don't think scripture teaches that at all Um, I believe more in what has been called um, classification or group predestination one way or the other this one is about not the predestined it's the foreknew God knew before that's what it means. Okay? Foreknowledge is simply a recognition that for whatever reason or however it comes about, I personally believe it's because God is not limited by the timeline that we live in. That's part of creation. God is eternal and not part of the timeline. Which, think about that a lot tonight before you go to sleep. Um, and so God knows everything. Now, to prognosticate is to say that I know now what's going to happen. So a prognosticator is somebody who tells the future. Okay? Uh, A good one or a bad one, by the way, depends on what happens after the future has happened, and we go back and check them. It's kind of a fun thing that happens if you ever have done this on, like, January 15th. There's various talk shows that will go back and take some of these guys that have made all their predictions, uh, a year ago, and then, all right, how many of these guys came through? And it's hilarious because this one's really good. They have a 55% success rate. In the Old Testament, yeah, that would have gotten you killed. So you, you didn't want to do this at all. Um, a prognosis. Um, you're asking the doctor to know ahead of time what's going to happen to you. So we say, you know, what's my prognosis? What you're saying really is, all right, what's going to happen to me in the future? And any competent doctor will squirm like anything right there. I've I've had fun watching guys do that the last year, I have to admit. If you're going to have a disease, you might as well get some fun out of it. And that's one of those ways. Um, God has a knowledge that we don't have, and he's had it. (laughs) He has already had it. About things we don't even know. We don't even know to know. Matthew 6.8 okay. so Does not be like them,
1: For your father knows what you need to
0: that. One of the things God knows is what you need, but it's a different word. Iza. Um You're going to run into that word in just a minute. It means to know, but it's from a different root. The difference. If it's being used intentionally as far as, uh, uh, instead of just the preference of the author, <clears throat> excuse me, is the, the knowledge is like a full mastery of a subject. It's to know um, better than just to be aware of. So it's a deeper level of knowledge. There's a growing intensity and a growing depth developing. But there's another one. Ephesians one seventeen.
1: I of by
0: Lord Jesus Christ, for you a in the knowledge of In the knowledge of Him. Him. So Paul is, is actually um, wishing and praying for something for the Ephesians, that God will give them a deeper knowledge of God. But that word is gnosis with another prefix, epi. Epi means on, upon, layered upon deeper, you know, you got when it when it's on top of something, layered on top of something, you get this connotation of of uh, more depth and, and more intensity. Okay? We are told, according to Paul, that we can not only have something, but that he's praying for us to have a relationship with God in which we know him. Not him knowing us. We knowing him, and knowing him, not just gnosis, but epignosis. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, they knew each other in the biblical sense? What does that mean? Where in the world did that come from? Okay, Adam and Eve. I don't get it. He knew her. Well, of course he did. God made her and said, there's that. And he says, oh yeah, Esha. Oh, he didn't just name her. No. The King James refused to say, and they had sex. That is not what you did, say, 15th century. 16th century. So he knew her. wink, wink. He really knew her, you know? So it's not entirely a stretch because the word uh, there is a Hebrew word that really has exactly the same um, depth of meaning, but
1: this is
0: the Greek word that was also used as a euphemism for sex. It is the knowledge that a husband and wife have of one another. And it's not just the knowledge. Two people having a one-night stand could be said to have this knowledge. But those two people, 30 years later, having been married for 30 years, and knowing each other in the context of that marriage, and knowing each other sexually for 30 years, but also knowing each other in all the other manners that a husband and wife come to know each other over that time. That is an extraordinary relationship. That's way, way different than, uh, yeah, I know him. I met him last year. Or even they had sex because they hooked up last week or last year. You see what I'm saying? there's there's this depth and this is like an ultimate depth not depth depth okay and what Paul is telling us is our relationship with God can and should be that it's not weird it's not creepy remember the Old Testament model of relationship with God was we are the bride Israel we meaning them and God was the groom that came over into the church the church is the bride of Christ So the intimacy of marriage is the very model, I would argue, marriage was even created for the purpose of helping us understand the intimacy we can and will, again, have with God. We we clearly don't now. Uh, We we deepen. I can tell you right now that I'm way, way, way more this way than I was ten years ago certainly than I was 40 years ago, but nothing like what I'm going to be when God literally writes His Word in my heart, according to Hebrews. It's an experiential, relational knowledge. So when we start talking about knowing the Lord, or we talk about the concept of a personal relationship with Jesus, I, I used that word, I mean, that phrase like 20 years before somebody said, what in the world are you talking about? And it's, what do you mean, what am I talking about? What, 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 do you, what do you mean? Personal relationship, where is that in the Bible? And I had been so steeped in first Jesus movement theology and then basic evangelical theology, I never stopped to look. And when I went back and looked and saw this, it was like, wow, that's, that's way deeper than even I was thinking. That all comes from simply understanding not just the Greek words but the difference between the synonyms because there's a definite purpose for the difference and, and the cultural background because in English we don't use the word know as euphemism for sex anymore. The only reason we ever did is because translating the Bible. So we, we don't have that. We don't think about sex in terms of getting to know people But that's really what it's about. Is that making sense? Okay. Are you guys hot? Warm? Stuffy? Okay. Would you open that? I'll open this. We'll see if we get a little cross because I took somebody's suggestion, which is a good suggestion, and set the timer on the AC so that we didn't freeze ourselves. All right last thing for tonight, 200, oh, I said 250 on your sheet. It's actually 201. It shows you how quickly this goes down. 201 to 500. So the one you've got is 500 and more occurrences. If that's more than one, just have more than one. (laughs) I can't get it separated. This is a list, then, basically of 200 and more, okay? Except if it's over 500, you've got it on the other sheet. Now, I'm going to walk you through these. Um, I do suggest, I don't know that I wrote this on the uh, suggested homework, but I do suggest you do the same thing we did last time, which is just get a sheet and actually write these out. Um, make cards for them if you want. That's a good idea, but even if you don't do the cards, write them out. Practice writing them. You will learn them faster by writing them. Okay. Agios, the, the breathing mark, and you do have breathing marks, yes? Okay. So I actually put them in before I copied them because I remembered last time. Agios, if you have the breathing mark, how would that be pronounced?
1: Hagios,
0: okay? And um, notice that it also says ah and on. Why does it do that? Yes. So, electrical form, it's giving you masculine, feminine, neuter. Let's go to feminine. Agia. Does that sound familiar? Does anybody remember anything with agia? I'm fishing for something specific, so you may not. Sophia. It's a woman's name. It means wisdom. Hagia Sophia. Holy Wisdom. Basically, the name of the building that is the Orthodox version of the Vatican. The Church of Holy Wisdom. The Hagia Sophia. Nobody ever heard of that, huh? Oh, okay. I win the trivia. hagi e, plural, are saints. So, it's a holy one. This is not the adjective. This is the noun. So, what does it mean? Who's it referring to? Believers in the in the New Testament, 100 percent of the time, it's talking about believers. There is no concept of a special class of believers or class of people. It does not exist. Okay, other fools also other fool or other full? There is no um, feminine for this. The reason there is no feminine is it means brother. Okay, actually, sister is almost the same word, but this is brother. Okay, akul means I hear. It also means I listen. Is there a difference between listening and hearing? Okay, so one of the derivations of this is going to be another word that we're going to run into. I don't believe it's on this list. Um, that is translated to obey, and it comes from this word. Um, Obviously, not just I hear, but I really listen, you know. Parents, you ever say to your kids, listen to me, you know. They already hear you. You're not meaning hear the noise I'm making. You're meaning pay attention to it and do something with it. Obey it. And the Greeks had the very same concept. That's where we got it. Um, Allah Okay Um, This is not By the way related to Allah Are you hearing the difference What am I I saying What am I talking about You hear Allah today What do you think What The God of Islam Okay Actually the word simply is Aramaic for God it's okay to say God. Is it the same God? Well, obviously we think different things about Allah, but Allah is the Aramaic word—or I'm sorry, Arabic—not Aramaic—referring uh, to Yahweh. The Quran says that they—they they believe in Yahweh. They believe Yahweh is very different than we believe He is, based on things that are in the Quran. Um, this is Greek, not a Semitic language. So if it's from Hebrew, then, okay, it might be. But the reality is Allah, the, the deity, is actually not even um, Semitic. It is true Arabic. It was a tribal dialect. It was the, the deity of the god of the tribe that Muhammad belonged to, the Bedouin tribe, we would call them. Uh, this simply means, but... <laughs> Okay, there is going to be another one very similar to that. I'm going to tell you in advance it means another, but uh, it's, it's spelled the same, but the accent's different. Okay, so we'll see that later, but you're not going to see it now. Okay, anir or andros? Anir andros. Um, what does it mean? You've got it written down. It means man meaning male. Okay? If it's mankind meaning male kind, that would be uh, on three, the plural. But the word, the root word is male. There is no feminine. You cannot have a feminine male. Okay? Our culture notwithstanding. So, Andros means man as opposed to Anthropos or Anthropos meaning human. Definitely a similarity at the beginning, but the words are different, especially Anir. Okay? Um, um, Androgical. Androgynous. Okay? And it's... it's, it's It's kind of funny what we do in our culture, because we have a male-centered culture. Androgynous means what? It means almost neuter. It's something that could be either. But the funny thing is, it comes from the word that is explicitly male. So, yeah, just have fun with that one. Um, Now, here's something that's not written down. I am Donna's andros. What did I just say? I am, but that's not what I said. I am also her husband. There's no separate word in the Greek language for husband. So this concept of he's my man, that's where husband comes from. You know, she's my woman. The idea that she's my woman without marriage doesn't exist. If she's my woman, it's because I have a claim on her by our marital commitment, our marital covenant. If I am her man, she has a claim on me by the marital, marital covenant. Um, I actually spelled that out uh, below with the, the feminine version, but forgot to put that in for, for this. Apocrinoma. Uh, Apokrinoman. Lots of syllables. It's actually two words. Apo. okay, uh, means what? Answer. That's, that's in the other list. That's the 500 and more list, okay? Crenoman, that is not on your other list. It's actually derivative of the word for to, uh, to judge, but it's actually a much broader word than that. And so uh, to answer judge is to answer, um, or to to. Um, to it's to respond to. It's got much more of an interactive feel than just uh, the, the from thing for apple. Ye, ye, or ye again for the neuter, or, okay, okay, okay. So, what does that mean? The earth. In English, the gamma becoming a G, the eta and a E, aha, and then we'll add that, and we've got geo, which means earth. By the way, one who works the earth, ye-orgos. Or, ye-orgos? Ye-orgos? yeah, Or georgos? Yeah. goes, Yeah. Yeah, or ghost is the modern pronunciation because the gamma has a Y sound. So, uh, G-E-O-R-G-O-S. What does that sound like? G-E-O-R-G. Okay, the word George. The name George means farmer. Next time you talk to a guy named George. Hey, farmer, how you doing? Be careful. He may know what your name means, and it may be worse. it. Uh, okay, we already talked about that. I come to know, I learn, I know, I realize various versions of knowledge, okay, but the verb form. Now, yini or yinekos. 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 There we go. This is the feminine. This is woman, okay? Okay. Um, You <laughs> me the y- epsilon doesn't always come in as a U. We've already seen it coming in as a Y. Gynecology? Study of women. That which is explicitly
1: women or female.
0: Once again, uni. Um And it is goony, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're man, then you're calling your wife goony. Um, I have the advantage of, of modern pronunciation, so I'm not going to do that. But again, woman and wife are the same word. So the difference in the sentence will be my possession. There will be an actual word of possessive to show that she's my woman, meaning, excuse me, she's my wife. And no, by the way, that would not apply, for example, to my daughter, who is a woman, but she's not mine, is she? She used to be mine, but then she wasn't a woman then. She was a child then. When she became a woman, that other jerk took her away from me (laughs) and moved to Texas But I'm not bitter. I'm okay. Okay. Dido me. Give. It is related. You can't really see it there. It is related to another uh, verb form, doreo, which is where we get our uh, do from donate. So that that, uh, do sound or the do part um, is into English for giving but divome, I give. Dina me, or dinomai, you know, my? my? Dinomai, my, um, I'm powerful. So now this is a state of being verb. It's not I exert power. That would be a different one. I am strong. I am powerful. Or I am able or capable. And that's an interesting difference because in the, in the New Testament there's a number of passages where the context makes it really clear. It's not about I'm strong. It's, are, am I able to do this? I'm capable of doing this. Paul says, I'm able to do all things now, uh, which, by the way, is also a, translation, a mistranslation, because it actually means I'm able to live in all circumstances. It's not about doing. It's about existing with wealth or without wealth in the context. But it has to do with capability because if I have the strength or the power, then I have the capability. That's the etymology of that thought. on. This is uh, basically a subjunctive if, should. So it's indeterminate. Uh, the E can be if. But uh, that's skip a word and then you get E. If. Okay? You see that? The difference is one of those has much more of an undecided flavor than the other. So the E is, is almost indicative. It's, it's more likely. It's if, but we know you're going to do that. on is if, but we don't know if that's going to happen. Does that make sense? So when you see on, there is a difference in what you're reading, and that becomes pretty important in some passages. In between those, two of himself. So, it's a, a third-person pronoun. Yeah. It's actually, by the way, half too, because if you look at the breathing mark, it's a hard breathing mark. Okay? Idon, I saw. Remember I told you that this word comes from a different root than UNOSCO but it still means I know EZON same root so the derivation of I know ida, is I know because I've seen it I've had some interaction with it that's where that when I said it was experiential it's not near as experiential as epi ynosco, but it's more experiential than simple-unosco. Does that make sense? Once again, it's good to know this as you're reading the passage because you're getting a, uh, a difference in terms of depth of knowledge. Okay? Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Is that look familiar? What's the difference? It looks familiar because of the other list, so what's the difference? The breathing mark. It's in a different place, okay? One of them is into. It's a preposition. The other one is a number, one. Spelled exactly the same way, so the only thing that differentiates it is the breathing mark. So it's pretty important to know the breathing mark, okay? Now, when you don't have breathing marks, how do you know? Is it a preposition meaning into, or is it one? Okay. Totally contact. context. Okay, now, mia and n are also words for one. N is also a preposition that we looked at. But if you look at it closely, once again, the breathing mark is different.
1: And that's how you'll know the
0: difference. Okay. Um, Equinos, that. Exerchoman, or exerchoman. There we go. Exerchome. Erchoman is I come or I go. X is what? Ek or X? From the first list. Out. out. So, exerchoman, I come or go out. Okay? Just as you see in English, when you have simple uh, compound words like this, they frequently mean exactly what the two words together mean. So it becomes pretty easy to, to read those or figure them out. A. Or E. In fact, A, I think, would be the Erasmian and E would be the modern. And it's OR. Okay. Um, you do want to look at the uh, accent and breathing mark combination because um, it also looks just like an article of a certain declension. And so looking at that is going to tell you whether that's an article plus. The article is going to be right in front of a noun or a, an adjective with the exactly same ending. Make sense? Confusion? Questions? Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Himera. Uh, it means day. Calimera. Good day. Uh, also, calimera. Have a good day. means the same thing. Okay. Celo. Um, I almost went into this one when, when I was looking at words. I'll probably do this next week. There are a number of words for wanting, desiring, or willing intention that comes from what we want and desire. Salo is the most common of them. And most of the time, the ma- well, the majority of the time, not sure the difference between majority and most in this context, but the majority of the time when you read about God's will, it is this word. It is what many have labeled permissive will. So what's permissive will or permissive wish or permissive desire? Because all of those are part of that definition. What do we mean by that? Have you ever, Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? Maybe I'm assuming it's more common than I thought. Some of you are, are nodding, but you're not about to say anything. Okay. Permissive. Does God want me to sin? Do I sin? Wait a minute. Can God's will be thwarted? Thwarted? Yes. The answer to the question, by the way, is yes. Of course it can be thwarted. Because He allows me to choose. That's the only reason it can be thwarted but it can be thwarted because he allows me to choose. There is another word for will, which we will run into soon, um, that cannot be thwarted. God's will is that Jesus become flesh, that the word become flesh and give his life for us. If you look into the scripture, you'll find God intervened in human history numerous times to ensure that that happened. This was not something he was willing to let be thwarted. And it's a different word. So when we're talking about God's will or trying to grasp God's will, we need to understand there's a will where God says, that's going to happen. And then there's a will where God says, well, that's what I want from you. Now, by the way, neither of those is cloudy. There is nowhere in Scripture where those are unknown, so we, we spend all of this time trying to discern God's will almost, almost and I'm, I'm really close to saying every time we do that it's like chasing our tail because we know God's will he is an extraordinarily effective communicator so when we're trying to discern God's will either we're ignoring what we already know or we're projecting a specific will on God that he doesn't have does God want me to preach on this tomorrow or this tomorrow Well, if he's got a very specific one of those, he really has that, I'm going to preach on that tomorrow. (laughs) Don't ask me how. I don't know. Don't care. He's going to make it happen. But if it's Celo, then he's going to guide me by his word. And if he doesn't have a specific will, he simply wants me to preach the word, then he, he gives me that freedom. And we need as Christians to understand that most of our life is that. God does not want to tell us what to do. It's culmination of the Holy Spirit. is self-control, not God controlling us. Laleo, I speak. I have often wondered if that is related to the la-la-la-la-la thing that seems to be cross-cultural, but I don't know, so don't ask. Lambano, I take or I receive. So, freely he gives and freely I receive, or we receive, l'anvano, okay? Logo, by the way, that can also mean um, arrest. <laughs> take. So, if I take somebody and they're not real jazzed about it, I'm arresting them, okay? What tells you, again, we're into context. Logos, we talked about that before. It is word, thought, concept, idea, because in the Greek culture, those all overlapped. Matitis. Or plural, matite. That's you. That's me in some contexts. It simply means student. However, how is that usually translated in the English Bible? Disciple. And we need to be careful now. Disciple is a cool word. I mean, The, the English derivation is good. But the word that it's translating is quite simple, student. That's all it means. There's no extra baggage to it. So all of these things that you read about, well, a true disciple may or may not be true, but if it is true, it's because the Bible says if you're a follower of Jesus or a student of Jesus, you do this. So it comes from the context rather than the word itself. What does the word disciple come from, the English word? This is extra. You don't pay anything extra for it. Discipline. Yeah. A disciple in English is a person who applies himself with discipline to learning, understanding, or practicing or mastering something. So it became an easy word to translate student with. But that whole discipline thing is actually an English connotation, not a Greek one. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Meta. Or, excuse me, meta. Okay. With or after. Uh, we use that today in the same way. It is a prefix for English words. Okay. So metamorphosis. What is Metamorphosis. Okay, what kind of change? Yeah, transformation has the connotation of a deeper change, and metamorphosis is a deeper. Uh, Romans 12.2 contrasts it with a more shallow type of change of a different word, has to do with schema. So it's the outer versus the inner. Um, So a metamorphosis is to change after something. So in this context, what would you speculate it's after? Romans 12.2 I'm sorry in this context I meant Romans 12.2 what I just quoted let anybody remember it do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind loose it comes after the renewing of your mind you cannot be changed transformed deeply without that so the word metta, that, that prefix, becomes important there. Uh, okay, ida, we've already talked about that. Onoma, onoma excuse me, is name. So uh, if you look at, uh, I've got another file on my desk of my old Greek papers, and uh, I went to school in the 70s, so a lot of these were handwritten and then uh, mimeographed. And it had a, this onoma uh, onoma, and then a blank. So we would write our name, and then we would do the quiz and turn it in and be graded. No. Okay? Uh, oh, okay. I'm trying to find it, and my skipping lines is not helping. Uh, Udis, Udemia, Uden. Remember what U is? Not. not, or no. So, no one, no thing, none or in some context just no again, but if it's, if it's just no, once again, it's a firmer, stronger no. Okay? Un. Therefore, accordingly, according to, then, uh, but the then is not a simple time reference like our word then sounds like. It's Then do this. Do you understand this? Then do this. So having understood that, then this should happen next.
1: Uh,
0: Uranos. Oh, Uranos. It's amazing how quickly we we move our accents. Uh, Every time you see the word heaven, that's the word. Uranos. Um, It also, by the way, means what we would call space. But it's not going to say that because the concept of space as we know it did not exist 2,000 years ago. When they looked up and saw the sky and what we call space, they thought heaven. The
1: I'm
0: sorry? The eighth planet? The
1: eighth
0: planet? Uranus. Oh, Uranus? No. No. Um, Utos. So, therefore, thus... Utos. Causal. Okay? It's an adverb. Causal. Patir. Also patros. Or patro. You left. Oh, I'm patir. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of those places within where you can see the influence of Greek on Latin. Okay? Um, and it, it simply means father. We have English words... Based in that, but we don't use them quite the same now. A case can be made, and I do not know etymologically if it's true, that the p was hard or softened to f, so pot here to father. And so there are those who believe our English word father is simply derivative of the ear. But um, what's another word for father? the western word for father paw okay and grandfather would be papa or papa if you know in the Appalachians, it's papaw it's spelled p-a-w with accent on the w except Appalachian people don't put accents on but trust me they say it that way I grew up with two papaws okay um Perry. Perry means this is not Paris. Tomei means cut. Tata, it's got a cross. Perry Tomi, to cut around. So it means around, um, circumvent what? Um, and somehow you thought it was a good idea to push it towards me.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Um, now, if you look at the definition, depending on the case, it's around or it's concerning or about, okay? Uh, a conversation around a subject is a conversation about a subject. That's where that comes from, okay? This is funny. I'm actually allergic to the stupid things, and you guys are more scared than I am right now allergies come and go and for the last time I had a really good welt, but I didn't go beyond that we'll hope it doesn't happen pistevo okay pistevo verb form of faith so I believe or I have faith okay oh yeah pistevo is the noun form which is, which is next. Okay. Um, pisteos, same word as pistis. Okay, Pisteos is typically translated faithfulness. So, many of you have heard this. I've preached sermons on it before. Faith is actually three-dimensional in the Bible. So, there's belief, which is acceptance of truth. There's trust. And so, I believe or I trust can both be pistevo. But there's also faithfulness, which is a noun as opposed to a verb, and that's pisteos. For example, in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. But it's all the same word. The difference is the ending and the the role it plays in the sentence. Okay, penevmos, or penevma, excuse me, um, and penevmatos. By the way, penevma... what gender is that? Anyone want to guess? ma? Yeah, except it's not. Yeah, it's actually neuter. So, there's all sorts of interesting heresies by first uh, year Greek students. It's hilarious how often this comes up. Of seeing, okay, you've got the Holy Spirit, and then you've got Jesus. So you've got male and you're masculine, and you've got feminine.
1: Yeah,
0: no, that doesn't work because it's not feminine. Okay. So anybody who puts that forward, you know, they haven't had Greek two yet. Um, so you might want to just say, hold on to that for a year, and then we'll talk. Polis, poli, poli. Uh, much, many. Um, plural um, and, and one of the fun things that Greek does is it adds uh, prefix on prefix on prefix on top of a word so you'll have poli, police, many, minis and um, overabundance of uh, will be uh, in several contexts communicated that way. It means sun. Um, the epsilon is the um, epsilon the in Ichthys. We talked about that, I think, some time back. Um, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. And then finally, Ipo, and notice the breathing mark. So it's, it's modern Greek. It wouldn't have the, the breathing mark, but they probably would have pronounced it with an H. We know that at least hundreds of years ago they would have. Uh, so it comes into English as hypo. Hypo means under. What's, what's over? Which is hyper. We haven't seen that yet, but we're going to. And it's, it's exactly the same, except obviously with Greek spelling. So, hypo um, means under and um, pick something that something's under. Um, it can be a verb. Tikini means to place. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the verb form in uh, the, the lexical form would be taso, ipotasso, to place under. Anybody guess what word we translate that with? Place under. Let's say it's reflexive, it's middle voice. Place yourself under. Submit. Ephesians Submit. 5.21, that little discussion we had in marriage, where it's both of us submitting to one another, literally means place yourself under. It was actually used, if you remember me bringing a uh, volume in that was the vocabulary of the Greek New Testament, that like I said was extra stuff found since Kittel was written, extra papyri fragments and things like that. Um, there's references to this and they're being used as the term for an enlisted man submitting to an officer. Now, I grew up in the, in the home of a lifer, um, an enlisted man. We beat up officers' kids. There was no racism, but there was definitely rankism. And, and so officers were stupid by definition. That's just what they were because that's what the sergeants who were our dads said they were. Um, but my father, who had all the stripes he could get, they were all there. I mean, he was maxed out in rank, had to say yes or no, sir, and salute a 22-year-old second lieutenant. On what basis would that happen? People thought so. He placed himself under for the sake of order. And also because it was against the law not to. Okay. Uh, dermas. What is dermas? Skin. I believe that's Latin. But, hypodermis, hypoderma, hypodermic, yep, I've had a lot of those. Um, they, for whatever reason, just like getting under my skin. So the next time husbands and wives that you feel the other one getting under your skin, you can say you know, you're getting rather hypodermic and you sit back and see if they get it ok um, 15 minutes early, anybody want to stay and just waste cooking this? because I'm, I'm game if you want to but that's all I've got for tonight i also want to talk more costumes ok, thank you guys we'll see you next week